Good morning. Acts chapter 5. The high priests and all his friends, a group called the Sadducees, became very jealous. They grabbed the apostles and put them in jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail. The angel led the apostles outside and said, Go and stand in the temple area. Tell the people everything about this new life. When the apostles heard this, they did what they were told. They went into the temple area about sunrise and began to teach the people. The high priest and his friends came together and called a meeting of the high council and all the older Jewish leaders. They sent some men to the jail to bring the apostles to them. When the men went to the jail, they could not find the apostles there. So they went back and told the Jewish leaders about this. They said, the jail was closed and locked. The guards were standing at the doors, but when we opened the doors, the jail was empty. The captain of the temple guards and the leading priests heard this. They were confused and wondered what it all meant. Then another man came and told them, Listen, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple area teaching the people. The captain and his men went out and brought the apostles back. But the soldiers did not use force because they were afraid of the people. They were afraid the people would stone them to death. The soldiers brought the apostles in and made them stand before the council. The high priest questioned them. He said, We told you never again to teach using that name. But look what you've done. You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you're trying to blame us for his death. Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God, not you. You killed Jesus by nailing him to a cross. But God, the same God our fathers had, raised Jesus up from death. Jesus is the one God honoured by giving him a place at his right side. He made him our leader and saviour. God did this to give all the people of Israel the opportunity to change and turn to God to have their sins forgiven. We saw all these things happen and we can say that they are true. The Holy Spirit also shows these things are true. God has given this Spirit to all those who obey him. When the council members heard this, they became very angry. They began to plan a way to kill the apostles. But one member of the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, stood up. He was a teacher of the law and all the people respected him. He told the men to make the apostles leave the meeting for a few minutes. Then he said to them, Men of Israel, be careful of what you are planning to do to these men. Remember when Theudas appeared, he said he was an important man and about 400 men joined him, but he was killed and all who followed him were scattered and ran away. They were not able to do anything. Later, during the time of the census, a man named Judas came from Galilee. Many people joined his group, but he was also killed and all his followers were scattered. And so now I tell you, Stay away from these men. Leave them alone. If their plan is something they thought up, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop them. You might even be found 
fighting against God himself. The Jewish leaders agreed with what Gamaliel said. They called the apostles in again. They beat them and told them not to speak any more using the name of Jesus. Then they let them go free. The apostles left the council meeting. They were happy because they were given the honour of suffering dishonour for Jesus. The apostles did not stop teaching the people. They continued to tell the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. They did this every day in the temple area and in people's homes. Amen. Let's pray. Well, God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you that as we look at it together this morning, your Holy Spirit can take it and apply it to our lives. Help us to hear you speaking through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Joshua is a young Australian university student who loves Jesus. And he wanted to share that with his friends and those with whom he came into contact. Yet Joshua quickly found himself in trouble. It actually cost him dearly. Here's Joshua's story. Quote, I have grown up in a Christian family and I've been raised with Christian values. I was about three when I first made the decision to follow Jesus. Since then, it's just been a journey of discovering more of who Jesus is. So it all started when I received an email to say that I'd been reported by a few students for student misconduct. And so the instance that had been reported was me just talking to a girl with whom I'd been friends for the past year and a half. And so we were just talking about work and she was saying that she was really stressed. I asked her if I could pray for her. She said, yeah, yeah. It was something that she appreciated. Afterwards, she said, look, I don't agree with that. I'm an atheist personally, but thank you. I really appreciate your care. I was told that I shouldn't be praying for students on campus, that it was challenging their beliefs and I shouldn't be doing that. I was pretty annoyed, pretty confused as to why that was the reason. I was like, no way is that a fair reason to suspend me. I'd been told that I would need to attend fortnightly counselling sessions to learn how to appropriately interact with my peers. I was also told that if I stepped foot on campus again, I would be removed by security guards. I was quite amazed by that. Wow, by simply speaking to someone, I'm now a threat to the safety of other students. End quote. Make no mistake, the mission to be Jesus' witnesses isn't a journey that's destined to be smooth sailing. Persecution was part of the story of the gospel going to the ends of the earth. The apostles and early followers faced some incredible opposition. How did they respond to persecution and opposition? Well, in Acts 4, the disciples are basically told, don't tell people about Jesus, stop doing that. And in Acts chapter 5, we find that they're back in the temple and they're talking about Jesus again. And this is causing trouble and disruption. So the Jewish leaders and authorities take them and put them into jail. 
But that night, they're miraculously released from prison. Now, they've already been warned, they've already been jailed, so where are they found the very next day? Back in the temple, talking about Jesus. And this time, the Jewish leaders and authorities are seriously miffed, so they arrest them again, and they take them before the Sanhedrin. And we find that they're considering killing them in order to silence them. Verse 33 of Acts chapter 5 says, When the council members heard this, they became very angry. They began to plan a way to kill the apostles. Then there's this wonderful speech by a prominent Jewish teacher and leader called Gamaliel, who basically says, Look, if these guys aren't from God, what they're doing will disappear. But if they are from God and you kill them or stand against them violently, you may be standing against God. So just let them go. And then there's this little phrase in verse 40 of Acts chapter 5. They called the apostles in again. They beat them and told them not to speak anymore using the name of Jesus. So they've been jailed. They've been before the Jewish leaders. They've been flogged. And what's their response to all this? Verse 41, the apostles left the council meeting. They were happy because they were given the honour of suffering dishonour for Jesus. Isn't that remarkable? There was no complaint or fear or anger. They're rejoicing that they've been worthy of suffering for the name of Jesus. So, How did they come to have that attitude? I suggest there are three things about Jesus himself, the way that he taught and the way that he lived, that gave them this attitude. Firstly, what Jesus taught. Here are three verses that tell us what Jesus was saying his followers would face in the future. The first is John chapter 15 and verse 18. If the world hates you, Remember, they hated me first. The second verse, Luke chapter 10, verse 3, Jesus says, I'm sending you and you will be like sheep among wolves. And the third verse, John chapter 16, verse 33, in this world you will have troubles, but be brave. I have defeated the world. So if you were to read those verses, you'd expect opposition even persecution, wouldn't you? Secondly, the values that Jesus lived. These values were demonstrated very early in Jesus' ministry when he was tempted by the devil. Read about this in Matthew chapter 4. In some way, shape or form, the devil comes to tempt Jesus. We read in Matthew 4 verses 2 and 3, Jesus ate nothing for 40 days and nights. After this, he was very hungry. The devil came to tempt him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these rocks to become bread. And then the devil tempts Jesus to go and throw himself off the temple. Verse 6 of Matthew chapter 4. The devil said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, jump off, because the scriptures say God will command his angels to help you, and their hands will catch you, so that you will not hit your foot on a rock. That would be a great moment of glory, the devil's suggesting. Everybody would see you saved in public by the angels. 
But then thirdly, Jesus is taken up to a high place and he's shown the whole world. And in Matthew 4, 9, we read, The devil said, If you will bow down and worship me, I will give you all these things. What's Jesus offered? He's offered immediacy, glory and power. And yet he rejects each and every one of those things. It's interesting for us to understand what Jesus' values were if they're not these. Jesus' primary value was to do his Father's will. We're tempted by the same things as the devil tried to use on Jesus, aren't we? Firstly, immediacy. We live in a world that can give you immediacy right now. You can have pretty well anything you want immediately. But we need to reject that because sometimes waiting is important. Glory. A survey of 3,000 children between the ages of 8 and 12 was done on the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 mission. That was when the men first walked on the moon. Those conducting the survey wanted to see what children today value. What do they want to be? What are they after? So they gave the children a list of five different professions and they asked them, which of these would you like to have? The professions were an astronaut, a musician, a professional athlete, a teacher, or a vlogger or a YouTuber. In America and the UK, which was different to China, do you know what was the profession that they most wanted? It was to be a vlogger or a YouTuber. They said they wanted fame. They wanted glory. It's this concept of having glory, even without any discernible talent, other than self-promotion. Power. Jesus was tempted with power. A lot of people are tempted with power. They're tempted to give up the values that they say they hold to in order to just get the power that they're looking for. Jesus demonstrated his values to reject immediacy, to reject glory and to reject power and to choose to follow his father's will. Thirdly, how Jesus won our freedom. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 8 verse 18. He says, we have sufferings now, but these are nothing compared to the great glory that will be given to us. And he goes on to say why these present sufferings are not worthy. At the end of the chapter, he tells us how Jesus won freedom for us. Verses 31 and 32, he says, God is with us. He even let his own son suffer for us. God gave his son for all of us. How was freedom won? Jesus went to the cross. It wasn't through this marvellous power moment of demonstrating the glory of God. It was actually won through the cross. So what Jesus taught, how Jesus lived, and how he won freedom for us are very instructive about the values of the kingdom of God. The outcome of all of this for the early church was that they saw their faith in the context of a battle. This is demonstrated when Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. He talks about the spiritual battle in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. He says, 
Wear the full armour of God. Wear God's armour so that you can fight against the devil's clever tricks. Our fight is not against people on earth. We are fighting against the rulers and authorities and the powers of this world's darkness. We are fighting against the spiritual powers of evil in the heavenly places. You know, in the relative safety of the West, we've actually lost that kind of power encounter with the devil and the opposition that we face. So the result of that is faith becomes an opportunity. Worship becomes personal experience. Giving and generosity become a transaction with the hope of future acquisition. And church life is about gaining personal outcomes. In many places we've lost this notion that it's about our walk with Jesus, a walk which may actually bring opposition. Well, what about persecution today? If that was the early church, what about today? What about now? Well, here are a couple of things that we need to remember about persecution today. Firstly, persecution is a present reality. It's happening today. In episode three of Jesus the Game Changer series two, you hear about Miriam. All she did was to distribute Bibles across the city of Tehran. But she was arrested with her friend Marzier. And this is what the police and authorities said to her when she was arrested. She says, when they arrested us, first they transferred us to a police station. I remember the first day we had long hours of interrogation by our first interrogator who threatened us with physical torture. He sent us to a very dark and dirty cell in a basement and told us, you should give us all the information about your friends, your activities as Christians, your network, the people whom you work with, and especially the names of those people who come to your house churches. And he threatened us. He told us, we will beat you until you vomit blood. You have to give us all this information. In this same episode of Jesus the Game Changer Series 2, we also heard from Hassan John talking about 3,000 churches being destroyed in the north and western area of Nigeria. In that same area, dozens of pastors have lost their lives. Each year, the international organisation Open Doors publishes its World Watch List. The list identifies the top 50 nations that are impacted by persecution. The 2020 Watch List is out now, and here are the top five nations. One, North Korea. Two, Afghanistan. Three, Somalia. Four, Libya. Five, Pakistan. Churches in these countries face persecution every day. We should be praying for the leaders of these nations. We should be finding ways to support groups like Open Doors as they support these church leaders. Persecution is a present reality today for many people. But persecution, secondly, is a clarifying force. We often make a choice about faith as being a wise decision. It's good for our life. In the West, we don't make a choice about faith in the light of opposition. 
We look at the Open Doors World Watch list and we see nations like North Korea and we feel sorry for church leaders in those nations. Yet they have a very different attitude towards persecution than we do. Mike Gore tells about a conversation that he had with a Chinese church leader and about praying for the church. His response is very instructive. I quote, says Mike Gore, I remember he was a 70 or 80-year-old Chinese believer from the underground church. And as our time together drew to an end, I simply said to him, brother, can I pray for you? And he says, yeah, I want you to pray persecution never leaves China. I remember I paused and I said, can you explain that? And he said, well, we look at the Australian church as a prophetic example of what happens when faith becomes free. He says, the value of Jesus drops. I want you to pray persecution never leaves China. He also, Mike Gore also shares this, quote, I grew up in a comfortable culture and a beautiful country. And I think when I meet with and my time with the persecuted church, they talk to me, you know, the simplicity of their gospel is being able to articulate who Jesus is and what he's done in your life. But when I look at my own life, I feel that the relative safety of culture and the stability of the economic climate that I've grown up in, when I look back, it makes it more and more difficult to see where the hand of Jesus has been, the highs and the lows. Whereas in the persecuted church, they could speak to you for days, for hours, about what Jesus is to them, what he's done in their life, the transformation he brings, why he matters to you, end quote. Mike's discovery is that Christians living under persecution have a deep and real dependence upon Jesus Christ. They fix their eyes on him in their difficulties and they see his hand at work. Both of these quotes from Mike Gore show us the unsung gift of facing opposition and challenge in this life. It's a deep and real faith in Jesus Christ. So for many people, persecution is a present reality today. Secondly, as I said, it's a clarifying force. But thirdly, persecution is a future challenge. For us in the West, it is a potential future challenge. People like Hassan John worry about the church in the West. Certainly we don't face persecution, but we do face opposition such as young Josh did. We don't know what the future holds. Opposition could turn into persecution. And if that happens, how will we respond? Will we be ready? Will we be able to respond? You see, one of our challenges is the illusion of control. In the end, the only difference between the developed and the developing, the East and the West, the free and the persecuted, it's our illusion of control. We will all face trouble and we'll all face opposition for the, to the gospel. The trouble for those of us who don't face the kind of systematic persecution of those on the world watch list is that we have actually fooled ourselves. We've fooled ourselves into thinking that we have a degree of control over our life and our circumstances. 
Let me share with you two quotes, one from the writer Richard Rohr and the other from another writer, Anne Lamotte. The two quotes are almost the same but slightly different. Richard Rohr wrote, The opposite of faith is not doubt, it is control. Anne Lamotte wrote, The opposite of faith is not doubt, it is certainty. The same point is being made by both of these writers. What we want and what we look for often, what we seek out of faith and belief is control, certainty and safety. But you know what? In the middle of a global pandemic, we don't have any of those things. Life feels like it's out of control. It can't be fixed easily. There's this random nature of loss and death and our future. And what we need to be reminded of right now, whether it's a pandemic or whether it's trying to understand how persecution might impact us, is that faith, our walk with Jesus, does not guarantee safety, certainty or control. But I'll tell you what it does give us. It gives us peace the certainty of a walk and a future with Jesus, a certainty that we may not find from this world. What we need to understand at a time like this is that Jesus holds our future in his hands. Whatever we face, whatever it might be, whether we're facing persecution, whether we're facing a pandemic, or whether we're facing personal issues, family issues, health issues, finance issues, any of those, we kind of want to grab after certainty and control. But what faith gives us is a future held in Jesus' hands. The question, the challenge for us is, are we able to live placing our future in Jesus' hands no matter what we face? It's a challenge that we need to respond to. Are you facing opposition to the gospel where you're unpopular because of your beliefs and convictions? If you're not facing such opposition, consider, why is that? Is there someone or somewhere that you need to take the message of Jesus despite the opposition that you might face? There's a new song being written for Jesus the Game Changer too. And the song is called uh, To the Ends of the Earth. The chorus goes with these words. Call me wherever your heart wants to go. Let's pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we pray that uh, you would help us each one to face whatever difficulties we may be facing, whether it's opposition or persecution, the pandemic or personal life issues. Help us to face them all, knowing that you hold our future in your hands, that we can trust you, that indeed, Lord, uh, you are working out your purposes in and through all of these things. Help us to be able to rejoice that our God is in control and we can leave the future to him. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.